appreciate Russ and Ben and Dave sharing with us this morning. First Timothy chapter 3, if you would turn there, please. First Timothy chapter 3. First Timothy chapter 3. I want to share just maybe a few slides here before we get to the message itself. Um, these are just some quotes that I found to the world. Uh, you are a dad, but to our family you are the world. It is a wise father that knows his own child. That's William Shakespeare. It's um, you, sh- you should know your children. Um, by the way, even, even in the area of discipline, one of the things that happens is um, you might discipline your child uh, a different way than, than another one. For example, um, I, I heard of a mom one time who, who, in order to punish her daughter, said that she was not allowed to read a book for a month. And I'm like, man, I wish my dad had thought of that. Um, <laughs> you know... And, and then our, our youngest son, what we did to him was we punished him. We said, you can watch any TV you want, but you can't watch SportsCenter. And he's like, well, there's nothing else to watch. And I'm like, there you go. And so it was the right, uh, evidently the right thing for the right child. By the time a man realizes that maybe his father was right, he usually has a son who thinks he's wrong. Um, that's, um, that is definitely par for the course. Some other ones here, I, I identify quite a bit with the very first one, Al Unser, he's, of course he's an uh, indie race car driver, he says, Dad taught me everything I know, unfortunately he didn't teach me everything he knows. Um, we didn't have time for that, but, uh, and part of it is my own fault for not paying attention better. My dad's, my father's day gift to you is letting you pretend to be in charge of the family for a day. Uh, that's an unknown mother or wife is, the, is, is what that is. Um, I never knew how much I loved your daddy until I saw how much he loved you. Uh, there's, there's a lot to that, by the way. You want to, um, if, if a man wants to endear himself uh, to his wife, once children come along, love the kids. Love the kids and, and love them with all their heart, and that'll, that'll draw mom right to you. <laughs> just, just love the kids. Don't be, don't be resentful of them. Just love them. And the only thing better than having you for a husband um, is our children having you for a daddy. So, 1 Timothy chapter 3 is where we're going to start this morning. Um, we may, I don't know, I've, I've got enough stuff to keep us through. Sunday school and evening church tonight as well. Um, but, because always like Father's Day and Mother's Day and all those kind of things, it just, so many things go through my mind and so many things go through my heart at the same time. And uh, it's, hard, it's hard to leave some things off, but this passage in First Timothy chapter 3, we normally look at it, and, and even from a guy's standpoint, we somewhat have a tendency to dismiss it and say, well, these are requirements for church leaders. I'm going to tell you that it's requirements for all men everywhere, okay? 
I think these are, these are requirements or what to look for in godly men everywhere. People that have, men who have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is how you should act, you should behave. The background for these verses, as Paul talks to, sends this information to Timothy, Timothy is a young man himself. And Timothy is trying to figure out how, I mean, we go to these places and we start these churches and, and, and three weeks after starting a church, we get kicked out of town. Or, or, or maybe a month or even a year, uh, we're, we're, we have to move on to some other place. Uh, whose hands do we leave this church into as, as we move as missionaries from place to place? And he says to Timothy, what I want you to do is, he said, I want you to look out over the people. Look out over the congregation. Look out over the men that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he says, you look for these things. He said, if you can find these character traits in these men, these are the men we want to lead the church. Because these are character traits that everybody needs to have. Every woman in this, every woman in this auditorium is familiar with Proverbs 31. Okay? And if I started a Monday, uh, Mother's Day sermon and I said, okay, turn to Proverbs 31, there'd be this collective, Because this is the perfect woman. And you read Proverbs 31, and who is this person? Nobody does all this stuff. Nobody fits all the qualifications for Proverbs 31. Well, the fact of the matter is this is the thing, this is the passage for guys. Because instead of just saying, well, if I, if I want to be a church leader, then I have to do these things. No. This is so people recognize you as a leader, recognize you as a man of God, somebody who's living for God, who's doing what's right. These are not things you do to earn a spot. This is, this is stuff that you're supposed to do as part of your normal life. And so what Paul is really telling Timothy is, is you find men that are living godly lives the way God wants them to live. And for example, this is what we're looking for, and here they are. And so when we look at these, what a man should be, what a man should do. We're going to look at what a man should be, what a man should do, and then we're going to look at the idea of, uh, of what is more typical of the world in which we live, and I'll have some closing thoughts for you as well. But First Timothy chapter 3, and it says, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop or you know, a pastor or an elder then must be blameless, husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, nor greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that rules his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil." Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without, lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. There's a zillion things in just this little bit. But this is God's list of desired behavior for all men. Not just ministers, not just church leaders. It's a must for church leaders. But this is what we're looking for. How do we know if a man's a godly man? Well, he says, first of all, is he blameless? The word blameless has to do with chargeable with no misconduct. Uh, you is without accusation. You can't point a finger at. Um, you know, it's like you know, it, it's like you know, this guy is known for. Eh, that's not good. Blameless does not mean that you're perfect or sinless. It just means that chargeable with no misconduct, without accusation, somebody can't point a finger at. Then it talks about husband of one wife. It literally is a one woman man. We're looking for a man that is faithful, somebody that is loyal, somebody that is disciplined. Uh, sexual uh, things under control, um, 
few years back, uh, Tiger Woods was diagnosed with a sexual uh, disorder. Um, <laughs> no, it's called lust. Uh, it's called wickedness. It's called evil. Uh, it's not a sexual disorder. Okay, the idea is uh, to one uh, man, one woman, staying faithful, staying loyal, disciplined to them. Um, I think here it's a place where grandparents can, can figure in, well, uh, you've got mom and dad that have been married for X number of years, and all of a sudden it's grandparents 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. That's a testimony to the entire family. Faithfulness. A one-woman man. Having a home and a family where the kids don't have to worry about it. Is, you know, is, is our mommy and daddy staying together? Are mommy and daddy going to be together? Whose home am I supposed to go to tonight? Who am I supposed to be? These are things that kids should not have to worry about. A man who is blameless, a man who is a one-woman man, a man who has sound judgment. The word here is vigilant. He's on guard. He's aware. He's a protector of his family. He's circumspect. He watches. I've told you before, I, I remember being a young person in church and, and, and the pastor talking about spiritual warfare all around, and the devil is after you, and there's all kinds of things taking place. And I literally remember as a kid going, I have no idea what he's talking about. I, I, have, I, I do not believe I'm in the middle of spiritual warfare. I don't, I don't see it. I don't get it. The second, or very shortly thereafter, when my daughter was born and we had children of our own, I realized that the devil was after them. One of your responsibilities as a dad, you are a protector of your family, not just to keep them safe physically, but to keep them safe spiritually as well. You need to be vigilant, have sound judgment, be on guard, be aware, even if the kid says, I don't see anything wrong with that. That's why God put you in this position, because the kid can't see anything wrong with it. That's why you're the dad. That's why you're there. You are supposed to be the protector. Serious about what's important. Sober doesn't have to do with, in this case, you, know, you would think, well, lack of, you know, don't drink. Uh, but sober has to do with being serious, being uh, responsible, has the idea of um, serious about what is important, having a responsibility, uh, understanding that you are responsible for your household. Uh, there are, you know, I, I, I've said before, uh, I, I say this in my class uh, almost all the time in school, you know, it's like, um, and, and please don't be offended if you fall into this category. Um, I, I said, how many 18-year-old boys have I met that are ready to get married? Okay? This is how many 18-year-old boys I have met that are ready to get married. Zero. Okay? 18-year-old girls that are ready to get married, maybe a handful. Maybe I can get to five. Maybe. Okay? But there's not any. 18-year-old. Now, I will say this, just to make sure you understand the concept. Uh, my wife and I were married, we were 20 when we got married, okay? We got, we got so much smarter in two years, it's amazing, all right? But, but the fact of the matter is, uh, sometimes people get married and they're still kids. They're still have, they still have puppy hearts. They don't have adult hearts. They don't see, the guys don't see the responsibility. The guys don't see what, 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 what's supposed to be part of uh, family and raising a family and taking care of a wife and doesn't understand all of those things. You need to be responsible. Be sober. Somebody who gets it, somebody who understands it. Good behavior. Uh, the next thing uh, in verse number two is of good behavior. Somebody who's respectable, somebody who has integrity. 
I love the passage when it talks about the life of Joseph, Joseph being the 11th son of Jacob, the life of Joseph and the life of Daniel. In both cases, there are phrases there that says that, that you could see that God was with them. You could see that God was with them. Uh, Joseph, uh, in his life, was you could see that the Lord was, was with him. And Daniel, the same thing. Uh, a person of good behavior, somebody who's respectable, somebody of integrity, um, somebody who is hospitable, uh, willing to meet the needs of others, somebody not selfish, somebody who's sharing and caring and giving. I promise you, and I've shared this with you before fairly recently, I know, but um, my dad made me, forced me to take care of uh, my widowed uh, aunts uh, that we had, and they were, uh, they were great aunts, they weren't, uh, they weren't even my dad's you know, sisters, but it was my dad's parents' sisters, uh, seven of them, <laughs> that I shoveled sidewalks, I shoveled driveways, I raked leaves, I cut grass uh, for free, for nothing, okay? Um, I promise you the heart of this little boy was not into this, okay? Working for free... No, and my dad refused to allow me to take anything from it, um, to be non-selfish, to be giving, um, and, and, and it's things that I needed to learn because I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to learn this. And even as far as church is concerned, I told you before, my dad, my dad cut the grass at our church, and he didn't even attend our church. It's the church that my wife and my kids go to, and that grass should look good. <laughs> he would cut the grass for the church he didn't even go to. He had a radio and a TV business. Some of you are old enough to understand the, uh, the tubes that go along with uh, radios and TVs and all the little numbers in the tubes. And I remember a whole wall full of, for lack of better terminology, tubes. And, uh, and he would get those things down and he would replace and fix radios and TVs and sometimes charge nothing. He would take the loss. He just enjoyed doing it. The idea of meeting the needs of others, other people. Apt to teach. This has to do with the Word of God. Able to pass on what you know from the Scriptures. Seems that in order to do that, a dad has to be in the Word of God. Dad has to expose himself to the Word of God. Again, I will tell you this. My, my father, when he did get saved, my father was, uh, I, I was 14 or 15 when my dad got saved. And my dad tried. He says, he got, we got saved and he said, we're going to sit down, we're going to have family devotions. My dad did not have a clue how to do this. My mom had been in church for roughly, uh, you know, roughly you know, my lifetime, 14, 15 years. The kid, and and he, he understood the fact that my wife and my children know more about the Bible, know more about this stuff than I do. And I'm supposed to be the one who leads devotions? <laughs> my dad tried, okay? And he didn't do too badly, but it was like, he just knew that this is his responsibility. He knew this is what he's supposed to do, and he struggled with it. A guy needs to know God's Word, needs to be experienced in God's Word, needs to be able to share it with their children and with your family, at the very least. One able to teach. Not given to wine, not controlled by alcohol. Uh, by the way, nobody ever says they are, oh, hey, that's me. I'm controlled by alcohol. Hey, I'm an alcoholic. Nobody admits to this one. But it means one who sits long at the wine says, don't be that person, one who not given to wine. 
not a striker, uh, not somebody who's easily angered, somebody who's gentle, not quarrelsome, not violent, temper under control. Uh, a group of junior high students were polled and quizzed in regards to the question, if you could change one thing about your father, what would you change? And the most common response was, I, I would make it so he wasn't so angry. I would make it so he wasn't so angry. It has to do with somebody who's not a striker, not somebody who's easily prone to anger, not a, uh, not a lover of money. Um, the idea of uh, not greedy, a filthy lucre. Uh, somebody who's honest, somebody who has integrity. Uh, not somebody who works all the time, obsessed with money. I've shared this with you before, but our youngest at four or five years old uh, came into our bedroom crying. And we asked him what the problem was, and he said, I don't want to grow up. I don't want to grow up. And we said, like, well, Chad, why? 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 That, why? He says, I don't think I'll be able to provide for my family. Okay. If a four or five-year-old, that's what's on their mind. Evidently, mom and dad's doing too much talking in front of the kids. <laughs> this is evidently what's going on, okay? Uh, but not greedy, not, not so involved with money, honesty and integrity, working all the time, obsessed with things and money. One who's patient, one who has consideration, one who overlooks the faults of others. Non-combative, again, we have this phrase, goes from patient, and you got no striker to not a brawler. Not a brawler. Um, someone who's non-combative, somebody who's not argumentative, just looking for a fight. My opinion, that's all that matters. What do you think? You know, and so uh, looking for a fight, looking to cause some trouble or difficulty. And then we see again the not fond of silver, not covetous, someone who's jealous of what others have, others' possessions, envious, worshiping money and worshiping things and wanting to have. That's all that's important. That's not what a father's supposed to be. That's not what a man's supposed to be after. In verse number four, one that rules his own house or rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. One who rules well his own house, one who manages, presides, superintends, leads, one who stands well before his house. Um, what's the next one? The greatest mark of a father is how he treats his children when no one is looking. One who rules his house well. One who rules his house well. Having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Ruling your house, giving this authority, this is a God-given responsibility. It cannot be refused. It cannot be deferred. Pastor one time said, I'm not asking you to do this, so don't, don't, don't panic here. But a pastor one time asked his congregation, he was preaching on this subject, and he said, men, if your wife dominates your house and your wife rules your house, I'd like you to slide a little bit to your left. And he looked, and almost every guy moved to their left, except one man. And he stepped down from the podium, and he says, 
Sir, I want to I congratulate you. I want to thank you for being a strong man and standing and, and being the head of your household. And he said, well, the only reason I didn't move was my wife told me not to. <laughs> so, wife is not the head of the house. Husband is. It's not her role to dominate or to dictate. Children are not the head of the house. Surprise, surprise. Sassy, talked back, disobedient, defiant. He said, we're looking for a home and a family where the children are in subjection to their dad. They respect their father. Not a novice. It's kind of interesting the way it's worded here because it means somebody that's not new to something. But the novice has to do with the idea of um, a novice is somebody who thinks they know it all. They've got it all figured out. This is more like somebody who's willing to learn, somebody who's willing to accept instruction. Admits when he's wrong. Because a novice's problem is pride. Notice, please, not a novice lest he be filled up with pride and fall into condemnation of the devil. The devil is unwilling to learn or be taught. He's proud. He knows what he's doing. He thinks he does anyways. Unwilling to learn. Then he talks about the man should have a good report of them that are without, outside the church, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Somebody who has a good report inside and outside of the church, good testimony before unbelievers. It matters how you act. It matters how and what you say. It matters. This thought is continued in Titus chapter 1. If you want to turn there, just a couple pages. Titus chapter 1 uh, in, continues the thought including things that we've talked about before, blameless husband of one wife, faithful children, somebody who's a good steward and somebody who's not soon angry, somebody not given to wine. In verse number seven, it says, the bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not self-willed. A man who's submissive to God's will, a man who's dependent on God. By nature, this is not human nature for a man. This is the Spirit of God taking charge and taking control. Somebody who's submissive to God's will and to God's authority. Verse number eight, he's a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men. He enjoys the company of good men. He enjoys, talks about holy is one of the things here too. It says, he's a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men. He's sober, just, he's holy. He enjoys the company of godly men. If it bugs the daylights out of you to be around Christian men and godly men, then I think you have a problem. Enjoys the company of good men. In verse number nine, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by doctrine to exhort and convince the gainsayers. Somebody stands firmly for the truth. Somebody stands firmly for the truth. These things, and we've certainly gone through them rapidly in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. These are a list of things that say, well, this is what we're looking for in a pastor. This is what we're looking for in an elder. These are things we're looking for in a deacon. This is what you're looking for in a man. And when you find it in a man, then that qualifies them for leadership in the church. That's what you're supposed to be looking for. That's what God's looking for. These are God's standard. Today, however... 
The modern-day man, the modern-day husband is, is a joke. He's made fun of. The father's portrayed as lazy, incompetent, stupid. <laughs> and maybe there's some truth to that. One page backwards, at least in my Bible it is, 2 Timothy chapter 3, not 1 Timothy 3, but 2 Timothy 3. Paul gives a list of what men will be like in the last days. In the last days, perilous times shall come, for men will be. What kind of men? What men should be and what men are. Men will be lovers of their own selves. They'll be covetous. They'll be boasters. They'll be proud. They'll be blasphemers. They'll be disobedient to parents. They'll be unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. They'll be truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They have a form of God in this, but deny the power thereof from such turn away. Seven says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Men shall be self-centered. Verse number two, lovers of their own self. Me, my, whatever makes me happy. This is the world in which we live in. Moms and dads, the same, both. Instead of, you know, I, I said the children should not run the home, but you are to serve your children. You're to serve your wife. You are to be a servant, not what's, what's best for me. What, what do I want to do? Hey, I'm the head of the house. This is, I can do whatever I want. That's not how it works. The head of the house makes you servant to everybody that's in it. Self-centered. Fond of silver. There we go again with the idea of, it says, uh, they'll be covetous. And the thing we're looking for is somebody who's not covetous. They'll be empty boasters. They're loud without substance. Men who have big mouths but nothing to say. Huh. By the way, I've been trying to resist this the whole time, but I can't. Um, I'd like to, like to tell you that my, my father taught me how to ride a bike. Joe Biden's father did not. Uh, Look it up this week. You'll, find, you'll know what I'm talking about. His father failed in that. Um, I'm sorry. I just couldn't help it. I, I couldn't fit it into the message anywhere, so I just had to share it. Um, <clears throat> empty boasters. A lot to say. A lot to talk about without substance. Proud. Uh, they think they're better. They think they're above. They're arrogant. They're always right. Somebody abusive to others, this is the, the blasphemer, somebody that's abusive to others, to cut down, belittle someone else to make themselves look good. Disobedient to parents, you say, well, how does this actually fit in? How does, how does disobedient to parents fit into men and dads? Well, fact is, it's possible that mom and dad raised them right, and they chunked it. <laughs> they just tossed it to the side. I can't tell you how many people that think they turned out well and decide to raise their children opposite of what their parents raised them. You know, well, it worked for me, but I'm not going to do that with my kids. And I'm like, hmm, okay. <laughs> if it worked, it worked. Disobedient to parents, not following the godly advice that they were given, their parents gave them. They're unthankful. People without gratitude, they complain. They have a martyr complex. They're unholy without being set apart to God. No idea what is right, no idea what is wrong, or they don't even care. Three says they're without natural affection. 
literally, it's, it's not the idea of, of perverseness, but it has to do with without family love, without heart, someone who could easily set aside his wife and his children without family love. They're unforgiving. Uh, they're um, truce breakers, unwilling to make peace, unwilling to compromise, unwilling to sacrifice, won't go just a little bit. Malicious gossips, they are uh, false accusers. The word actually is slander. It's another word for the devil. The devil is a slanderer, one who tears down. And we're talking about men, one who slanders, false accusers. Without self-control, incontinent is without self-control. They're self-indulgent. If I want it, I'll get it. Give in to their lusts, whether it's money, sex, or opinions, or whatever. It's I'm going to do it my way and have it my way. They're without heart, verse number three. They're heartless. Um, they're fierce. They have no consideration. Uh, and then they couldn't care less about God or godly men. Again, here's the idea of having a four, I'm sorry, um, despisers of those that are good. Look at this one. The further a society drifts from truth, the more it will hate those that speak it. Despisers of those that are good. They're traitors. They're not loyal. They're not faithful. You're not, you can't trust them. They're heady. They're reckless. They act without thought. They're impulsive. They're high-minded. They won't listen to advice. They're above. They're conceited. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Happiness is found in earthly endeavors. Living to please self. Pleasure, my pleasure, comes before God. They don't find pleasure in God. They find pleasure in the things of this world. Having a form of godliness, they pretend to care about the things of God, but it's not genuine, it's not sincere. And even according to verse number seven, they never really get it. They never really understand God or the things of God. This is what we should be. This is what things are in the world today. And by the way, if this is right, if men, if we as godly men, if we as Christian men are acting in a godly fashion, it should be night and day difference. It should be easy to tell the difference. You should easily be able to tell when you meet somebody in a matter of moments whether this is a godly man or a man of the world. Because there's such a difference. It's not even, it's not even close. Not even close. Dads and fathers need to understand that people are more important than things. We live in a materialistic world. Success is measured by accumulation of stuff. I don't think, I don't think that's how God measures success. Success in the eyes of God is based on relationships. I've said this before again at a funeral. If, if, this, if this is a married man, I would say, if you say this man loved God, this man loved his wife, this man loved his children, 
I can't say anything better about him than that. This man loved the Lord, and it was obvious. This man loved his wife. She was honored by him, and she would marry him again. She would say, you know, that yes, I would marry him all over again. And the children, what did the children have to say about dad? He taught them how to live right. Children said, I'm glad he was my father. I'm glad he was my husband. That's true success. That's true relationship type thing. That's what God has placed us here for. Children need to have a relationship with their dad. Watch dad work and work with him. I didn't usually mind watching dad work, except for I knew that sooner or later I was going to get drug into it. Um, I don't know if it's, again, I, I think it obviously has to do with the fact that I was a boy, but also had to do with I was the firstborn, and, and um, my dad always worked harder than me, always. Um, and he always wanted it done right, which meant if I'm helping him, it's going to take us longer. Um, and he was never, never a halfway type thing. Um, and you know, I, I, and to be perfectly honest, I did not like to work with my dad. But that's how I know I needed to do that. Because I didn't want to do it right. I didn't want to do it all the way perfect. I didn't want, and he made me do it right. That's how I know I needed this. I needed to work with him even though it's like, oh, it was so much fun to work with dad. It was not fun to work with dad. But I needed to work with dad. Also watch dad play, a dad who enjoys his family, one who smiles, hugs his children, hugs his wife, kiss, listen, compliment, play, praise. I do know that there's a different world today than, uh, than even my father's world. My father's world was a firm handshake and you've done well, son. I, I never remember my dad saying I love you. I never remember my dad giving me a hug. I never remember my dad kissing me. Um, but I knew my dad loved me. I, it was a different world. It was a different time. It was a different thing. But I also knew my dad enjoyed his family. He enjoyed coming home from work. My dad lost his job. One, he lost one of his jobs because uh, he was a family man. He didn't go out and drink with his buddies uh, in, the, in the office. He worked at a finance company, and the three guys all went out drinking and partying after work. Uh, he went home to his family, and when it came time to cut one of the people from the list, he wasn't one of the drinking buddies, so he can't. He loved his family. He loved to be part of his family. I, again, never forget my dad saying that we're going to play volleyball after, after our, our evening meal, after supper, we're all going to go out and play volleyball. My mom says, well, I've got to do the dishes, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. He picked her up, put her on his shoulder, Walked her out on the patio, took her up the steps, and plopped her down on the volleyball court. And she's like, oh, put me down, put me down. And, you know, laughing and carrying on the whole way, you know, while she's objecting to what dad's doing. But it made an impact on us as kids. It's like, you know, we're all going to have fun, whether, and even if she was under the category, you're going to have fun whether you like it or not. And so here we go. The average dad spends about seven and a half minutes per week with their children. And you say, that's impossible to believe. I, I hope you think that. I, I hope you think it's impossible because that means you spend more time or you did more than that. Seven and a half minutes per week. 
You need a dad who loves and respects mom. Occasionally, I'll come across a young man, high school young man, who uh, is disrespectful to his teachers, and then I'll find out that he's kind of disrespectful just to his female teachers. And I'll trace that home, and I'll find out that he's disrespectful to mom as well. And part of a dad's responsibility is to teach respect for mom, teach respect for women, Um, show boys how to treat their wives. Um, Let's see, one more. One more. Every father should remember one day his son will follow his example, not his advice. Dads talk a, a lot, but they'll watch dad. My wife and children are the beneficiaries of a man that they never met. Go ahead, next one. Show girls, show girls what to look for in a husband. Go ahead. A girl's father is the first man in her life and probably the most influential. You guys like David Jeremiah? There he is, okay. Show boys how to treat their wives. Show daughters what to look for in a husband. Your children want to look up to you. This is the sad part, I suppose. But I mean, it's good but bad. But kids want to look up to you. And I've had, I've had children defend their parents' bad behavior to me. Uh, I one literally said, hey, I saw my dad drunk once. But I'm proud of him because he called mom to come get him instead of driving home by himself. (laughs) I saw him drunk once, but I'm proud of him because he called mom to come get him. And you've all heard me share the one about the little boy in kindergarten taking God's name in vain. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Mrs. Gabert, you know it's okay to swear and take God's name in vain if you're working on farm equipment. Uh, They will seek to defend their parents. And every farmer here is going like, was it my kid? Was it my kid? Um, Living with somebody outside of marriage, the casino, the lottery tickets, the swearing, the smoking, chewing, hunting and fishing violations, the anger, the lies, the... It's not what you're saying. It's the example that you set. Home comes before work. Sometimes it's out of your control, but it should be the exception, not the rule. Don't neglect the home under the disguise of providing for your family. Mom comes before the children. Honor mom in the eyes of the children. Hold the door for her. Pull out the chair. Gifts, flowers, notes, hold hands words of encouragement, hugs. Mommy is wonderful. We are so lucky to have her. She's beautiful. She's a great cook. She cleans our house. Children come before self. Child spells love, T-I-M-E, time. Um, Max Lucado said, my father didn't do anything unusual. He only did what dads are supposed to do. Be there.
time. Time. You can't be too busy. God is our Father. When is He too busy for us? One puzzle, one book, one game, one game of catch, one prayer. Listen to their lives. Look at my cat. Look at my picture. See what I made. We went to the park. I saw a bunny. If they're excited, you need to be excited. Children ask 500,000 questions by age 15. 500,000 questions. 499,999 are why. Give your children a love for God. Teach them God's word. Pray with them. Pray for them. If dad doesn't go to church, what message is that sending? Teach them the importance of salvation and growing in their Christian life, prayer, morality. Teach them to be genuine. Teach them to be obedient. Teach them what fellowship is all about. Teach them to love God's house. What should a wife do as far as her husband and is concerned? Look out for his well-being. Pray for him. Forgive him. Encourage him. Respect him. Be kind, be supportive, do not nag. Wives, you're not perfect. Don't expect him to be. Uh, he's not an actor in a Hallmark movie. Some of you will get that later, too. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother. Honor, respect, obey. Thank God for them. Praise them. You owe a debt to your mom and dad. Desire to spend time with them. Pray for them. Pray specifically for dad's work and the stress and for the money situation, etc. Then you can honor your parents by living for God. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Um... A good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. No greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. You know, one-third of U.S. homes have no live-in dad. One-third have no live-in dad. Any man can be a father, but it takes someone special to be a dad. I'm going to suggest that you enjoy being a dad, and I'm going to suggest that we change the name of this day to Happy Dad's Day. Anybody can be a father, be a dad, or be a godly father. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to look at your word this morning. So many things, we're thankful for all the privileges that you've given us, but along with privilege comes responsibility. Well, I pray for the men. We thank you, Lord, for the great number of men that are here this morning. Give them wisdom, give them guidance. Help them to lead their families in a way that would be pleasing in your sight. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you've given. May we make the most of them. May every man in this room pattern themselves out of, uh, in regards to the, the 
issues and the attributes of 1 Timothy 3 so that the world can see a difference in our lives versus the lives of, of others. May they be able to see the Lord Jesus Christ in us and ask about the reason of the hope that is in us. May we be able to respond. Father, may our children grow up to be straight arrows, tools that can be used by the Master to conquer this world for the Lord Jesus Christ. May these children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren be godly men and women themselves. May a godly heritage continue generation after generation. May we make a difference. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we are past. I'm sorry, Dave, but I, I think we'll just just let you be dismissed and uh, go to um, go to your Sunday school class. At least you'll get some of it in there. And so, thank you so much for being here this morning. Stay for Sunday school if you can. Have a great Dad's Day. We hope you enjoyed this opportunity to hear the word preached at Factoryville Bible Church. Factoryville Bible Church is a non-denominational church in Athens, Michigan that seeks to share the good news of the gospel through a number of ministries in the area, including Factoryville Christian School, Camp Elvin, and the Pass It Forward Shop. To learn more about the ministries of Factoryville Bible Church or to support the mission of our church, visit our website at factoryvillebiblechurch.com. Thank you.